So we're starting week one of a sermon series that we're calling The Middle. And uh, how many of you guys, just based off of looking at the art, are like anticipating something different? Yeah, this is our faith series. For the past 27 years, we have taken the time in the summer to teach certain sermons that we believe that the church really needs to hear, that needs to edify the people of God. It's great when we talk about relationships because it fills the room because everybody wants to bring their deadbeat daddy, deadbeat baby mama to the church and say, like, look what you did to me. Yeah, that's cool. But the most important part of your relationship with Christ is your faith. So I don't know how long this sermon series is going to be because I told you I'm, like, spiritually constipated for the past three years. So we might just have to take a laxative every week, spiritual laxative, sorry, and just let this thing run its course. You know what I'm saying? So um, as, as we were planning for this sermon series, um, the Lord began to deal with me with a couple of different things. And the first of which is looking at scripture in a different way. I don't know if you've seen, but a lot of the sermons that you've heard, especially on my part in this last year, have been totally different than sermons from the year before and the year prior to that. And I think the reason is, is that now for me personally, and this is just my personal testimony, I am being personally challenged to look at scripture totally different. Not, not just to read it based off of what was told to me, not just to read it because it's the first thing that popped up on my app because some of y'all be cheating saying, I read the book of the Bible today. No, your app reminded you of the verse of the day. It's not the same thing. There's something different that happens in your spiritual walk with Christ when you literally open up the book and ask God, hey, what do you want to show me today? When you begin to do that, it literally changes God's expectations of how he communicates to you. If God's not speaking to you verbally, sometimes he'll speak to you through somebody else. And if he's not speaking to you through somebody else, sometimes he'll speak to you by seeing some stuff. I don't know about you, but have you guys ever seen a sunset on a beach while you were holding something non-alcoholic that was really sweet sitting next to somebody that you love and you watch that thing? God can speak to you through what you see. Sometimes if he doesn't speak to you through what you see, it means that he wants you to go back to his word and ask him, what do you want to talk about today? Many times in our spiritual walk, though, we treat God like a chatty Cathy. We walk in, you know that girlfriend, you know the homie, as soon as he walks in the door, his mouth starts opening up. You can't get a word in, and by the time that he asks you, hey, so what about you? You tired, you over it, and your next appointment is coming up. What you think about, dog? You know what? Nothing, bro. Man, that's crazy. I got to get up out of here. And you live there. Where are you going to go? You going to kick your own self out of your own house? So when we look at the word of God, look at your neighbor, say, ask the text. What do you mean? When you begin to ask the word of God, what does it mean? You'll get a totally, different dif- a totally different definition of the word. How many of you have ever been stuck on a scripture for a long period of time? And every day, it seems like, the, like you're getting something different. It's not that you're seeing it from different angles, but the Holy Spirit, God himself, can pick you up and have you look at the same scripture from totally different angles based off of what he wants you to see. I'm already teaching. For those of you that are looking for the intro, like this is already it. If we become even more spiritually mature and wake up in the morning and ask God this, Joe, God, what do you want from me today? We'll begin to not trying to schedule God into a space that he can't fit into. This is the reason why in our worship time, we don't try to cut things off because the word is more important. Because the most important thing that will happen today is what you just walked out of. Okay, so spiritual maturity is knowing that your relationship with with God will only grow if you water your own grass. God does not build relationship with people where the relationship is not mutual. So we can know God for a very long period of time and be stagnant. 
It's the reason why your grandmama doesn't tell you about what she used to get into in 1935 when she was her 20. Your grandmama wasn't always saved. I know you think your grandmama was. Mom, I know mine wasn't. So this is what we have to understand. You can live for 80 years and know God but never know him. So the point of this sermon series, the hope of it is that at the end of it, you will actually know God for yourself. Not based on what we teach, not based on a song, but that the foundation of your relationship with God will be based off of your own experience. Somebody say amen. Let's jump into the word. Hebrews 11, I hear you, 1 through 2, New King James. Now, I know that all of y'all are like, you love the New Living Testament, but there's something different about this one. This is the Bible. that I, When I asked God, what do you want me to teach on? He said this. So this is going to be our anchor scripture. So you're going to be seeing the scripture. Somebody say a lot. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Read it with me. Now, I love it when they start like that. How many of you guys got a parent like that? You know, you drive up to the grocery store, she puts you in the buggy. I mean, I'm sorry, the grocery cart. We say buggy down south. That's just what we do. You put them in the buggy, right? And then you put your oldest behind it and you walk in front of them. And then what does your mama do? She turns around and she says, now. When we walk in this store, I don't want you asking for nothing. I don't want you touching nothing. Matter of fact, I want your eyes closed because I don't want you looking at nothing. And if you hit the back of my heel... Somebody say, now. now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good testimony. Let's read it one more time. Is that okay? Can we read it one more time? Somebody say, now. now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Before we talk to you about what you're in the middle of, I think it's more important that we talk about what's in the middle of you. Okay, so faith, you would think the first sermon, we would talk about being in the middle of the storm. He's a, he's a, he's a, a wheel in the middle of the wheel, right? Like we would talk about being in the middle of a hurricane, being in the middle of turmoil. But one thing that Christians fail to remember is that whatever you're in the middle of, what's in the middle of you is in the middle of that too. So if you're in the middle of a storm, but you're filled with fear, fear is in the middle of the storm. If you're filled with doubt and you're walking into the middle of a bad situation at the doctor's office, if God is not there, God doesn't penetrate things where he's not invited. So this is the reason why personal relationship with God is important. Look at your neighbor. Say, carry him always. That's why today I'd like to talk to you about a subject called the middle of belief. Every week as we do this sermon series, I don't know about you, but I think I'm about to teach to my whole self today. So if I lose you, Mr. Damon, uh, Mr. Dwayne, who, who else? Uh, uh, Sadion, like, I need you, Callie, I need you to remind me that this sermon is gonna get good to me regardless if it gets good to them. So if I get lost, just like reel me back in because this sermon series is for Joshua. So if I get a little bit selfish while it's happening, like, just make sure that I don't lose the people because my expectation might supersede what they're seeing for themselves, but I got some stuff for me that I know God wants for me and I want a relationship with him. So I'm not gonna let them Keep me from teaching the word of God how I need to hear it for myself. I only need three other people that you already feel it in your spirit. This sermon is for me. I need you to raise your hand and say it's for me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six. Okay, cool. And I think my wife just texted me. I see you, babe. It's for you too. Here we go. Hebrews 11.1. 1. We're going to read this, this scripture from many different angles. Because if you have a favorite a version of the Bible, you can only read what you like and what teaches to you. But if you look at the Bible from many different contexts, you'll get something different. You know what I'm talking about? Here we go. 
Hebrews 11, one through two, it says that the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under how much? How much? Everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and it set them where? Above the crowd. I want you to write down this first point. The foundation of everything is built on the principle of faith. So as I was sitting and like trying to figure out, God, like what do you want in this sermon series? I've been sitting on this thing for three years. Like, like every single sermon usually has objectives. You know what objectives are? Like we don't just teach sermons because we think that they're like sexy titles. Like we teach them because we truly believe in our soul that this is what God wants to get to you. And I began to ask this question. And, I, and this is the question that the Holy Spirit gave me. Uh, this, this is it right here. And, I, and I, want, I want you to write it down. What does God ultimately want? Does he want you in heaven? The answer to that question is, I think he wants us there, but I don't think that's, that's the ultimate part. Like, so, so this, so this series, series begins with a defining question because I think there's only one thing that God wants. And if we don't know what God wants, we can spend our entire lives giving God something that he didn't ask for, he appreciates, but he can't reward. So we can think, what does God want? And what would some, be some of your answers? A relationship. Yeah, that's cool. What else? Worship. Yeah, what else? To be glorified. What else? He, he wants his will to be done. Expand his kingdom. But you know that you can't have relationship with God without one specific thing. Out of all things that God wants from man, he wants to be believed. I'm going to make this faith conversation so practical that it's probably going to bore you. But if you make your spiritual level a little bit higher and you vibrate at a different frequency, I believe that some people are actually today going to understand what faith actually means by the Holy Spirit. You cannot have relationship with God if you don't believe him. You can't glorify someone that you don't believe. You can't even be in holy matrimony with somebody that you don't. Believe. Why? Because this is the reason why the divorce rate in the church is going up higher and higher. Maybe because of the fact that they wanted to be married, but they didn't believe the person that they were marrying. When they showed you who they were in the beginning, you didn't believe them. I'm going to marry them anyway. So, 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 so. The only thing that God wants from you is to believe him. Because if you believe me, you'll trust me. You'll follow me. You'll obey me. You'll go where I tell you to go. God is not in the business of trying to work with people that are always questioning if he's God. The biggest slap in the face that we have as Christians is when we think that God is too slow or God's not doing what he's supposed to do, we stop believing in him. I found myself a couple of months ago, Callie, literally looking at God and saying, I'm having a tough time trusting you. Like, I, it's really hard for me to trust you. I don't know about any of you. Yes, the transition happened a couple of months ago, but this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. It brings, whenever you say yes to what... Okay, okay, sorry. Whenever you say yes to what God truly wants for you, this is just my testimony. Very rarely is it sunshine and rainbows. Mostly all the time, when you say yes to what God really wants for you, you truly have to trust him. So multiple areas, glory to God, multiple areas in my life, I was able to walk through without trusting God. 
And now that I'm mature, I can look back at moments where I thought I was saying yes to God and I truly wasn't. Why? Because I didn't need him. Joshua! So there are moments in your life where if you're looking around and you don't see God, it's not that he's not with you. You're in a situation where you don't need him. So the only thing that God wants from you is to believe him. If you believe me, you listen to what I say. This is the reason why Joshua, not PJ, why Joshua can't spend time with certain people. Because you only get one time to ask me the same question after I've given you my time and the answer that you need. Now we're just having a conversation because you like my time. And now you want to take a picture for the gram to say that you spent time with me. But the one way that you get more time with the people that you love is if you believe what they have said. So we have people that are filling churches right now that are lifting up their hands, listening to sermons, are sitting there, got Holy Ghost tattoos all over them, literally drinking holy oil, and then they don't believe God. And God doesn't erase the first word that he gave you. He wants you to believe the first one. Okay, let, let, me, let me just get to the word. I think I'm at that point. I'm, I'm teaching to myself. Let, let, let me get back. God desires that we believe and trust him. You can't trust unless you believe. You can't worship him unless you believe. You can't obey who you don't believe in. The biggest insult to God is to question his ability. That's the worst thing that we can do to God. He doesn't care if you don't worship him. In his word, he said, if you don't worship me, I don't care. I'll allow a rock to cry out. So you worshiping me, if you don't want to give it to me, I'm not going to beg you to give me something that's already mine. If you don't want to worship me, Joshua, if you don't want me to use your family, you're, you and Vanessa are not that cute that I'm going to hold up my kingdom mandate because you don't want, there's another family. And you know what, Joshua? I'm going to be so bad. I'm going to use somebody that's a Satanist to do my will just to prove to you that it doesn't matter if people don't know me or not. I'm still going to get my will done. So Joshua, do you believe me? And Elder Butler, this is where I've been for like the last couple of months. I've been facing these situations and it's just like God is, keeps asking me, do you believe me? And what I'm facing is terrifying. The reason why I know I'm hitting this nail on the head is because there are at least 10 to 15 people in this room right now that you're looking at Goliath 2.0. This Goliath is totally different. David didn't kill this one. The, the, the other Goliath was 13 feet tall. I'm sitting here looking as high as I can, and I'm still looking up underneath this man's uh, toenail. Like, I don't know how big this thing is. And I think the reason why God puts impossible in front of you is to make you trust in him. I feel the presence of God. So if you're in the middle of something right now and you can't tell if it's God or if it's man, I think it's because God wants you to learn to turn around from that thing and look for him. God, where are you? Where are you? Because if this is scaring me, I can't do it in my own will, which means I got to do it. Somebody say with you. We waste so much time trying to do stuff without God. I'm going to try. I'm going to do it. I'm going to schedule. I'm going to maintain. And then we bump our heads and then we come back to the service and we're sleeping here on, on, on the altar crying out to God. And God was like, you left without taking me with you. So you were going to fail. If I'm teaching somebody, say yes. yes. Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, no, 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 can believe, maybe believe, sometimes believe. 
Somebody with a straight back scream, must believe. He who comes to God, praise the name of Jesus, I'm sorry, must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's read the word how our pastor taught us to read it. Read it, somebody say backwards. Somebody say, wind it up, baby. God rewards those who diligently seek him. But in order to seek him, you have to believe. If you don't believe, it will be impossible to please him. So we have people that are walking away from the faith because someone hurt them and they lost their trust in God. That's the equivalent, Conda, of me throwing a shoe at you and you losing faith in your husband. That's, that's the equivalent, Brown family, of me going to the grocery store and the farmer doing a terrible job of raising the tomatoes. I see the tomatoes are ruined, 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 sorry, country again. I eat them, get food poisoning, and I burn my house down. So I think that we're standing in a time, and I know that there are a bunch of deconstructionists. I'm friends with you, but bro, if you're watching this right now, I pray that you understand that my relationship with God is more important than my relationship with you. It's only that my relationship with God that I'm able to look even deal with people. I don't know about any of you, but the grace that's on my life to deal with people that don't believe in God, I can't do it by myself. I need God to help me out, okay? So we're not going to throw you away, but I just want to teach you this morning. People are falling away from God when he hasn't done anything to them. The church hurt you, so now you don't trust God. And now, because we're so smart, we'll try to use his word to debunk him. You walk into a church and somebody looks at you weird, and now you say, I'm not going to not just that church. I'm not going to church, period, because God wouldn't have allowed that to happen. And I feel that God is in heaven saying, you do know that it takes faith to go to church too. Like, you do know that it takes faith to sit in the chair that you're in. You don't think about it because it's not a cognitive thing that you're thinking about, but it takes faith to trust God. So people are losing faith in God where really their faith was in people. Martin Williams, the theologian, says that your faith, the strength of your faith, is built on the strength of consistency in the one that you place it in. Joshua's faith is strong in Callie, my sister, because time after time she's proven that she's trustworthy of my faith. Because of the fact that we have relationship. This is the reason why in ministry and in church you have to understand Yes, we are the body of Christ, but the entire body can't come to your house. So we have people that are walking around. I'm going to stay right here. I really don't mind y'all looking at me because the word of God says, Paul said, don't look at their faces. So I'm looking above you just so that you know. Okay. So we have people that are church hurt and God can't use because we were hurt by man and we don't trust the spirit. But hurt people find hurt people and hurt people. But guess what? Hurt people that find hurt people and hurt people still need to use their faith. Are we all right this morning? For many of us, we are looking for insurance 
and not assurance. God, I'll trust you if. I'll apply to the school if miraculously they send me an application. And now you're in your 70s. Well, I would have went to school, but they didn't send me the application. How silly. God, I'll get married if you send him to my house and he's a sexy Uber driver. If, Lord, if it be your will. And now we, we, we shrink the infinite and unfathomable into our possibility. God doesn't work with insurance, Jerry. He works with assurance. God works like this. If I said it, that should be all you need. If I said no, you shouldn't be looking for a yes. If I said yes, you shouldn't be looking for a no anywhere. Like, I'm the one that said that I will close doors that no man can open. I'm the one that said that you're the head and not the tail. Like, why do you need insurance with me? Like, you don't need an insurance policy with God. You just need to rest assured that I'm God. Somebody say that I'm God. I'm God. This is who I am. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a man that I would lie. Every time that we look at God and don't trust him, I think that he points at us and says, I'm not like you. Joshua, you've lied to me multiple times. Remember the last time that you said, I'll never do this, and in bold face, like I couldn't see you, you went and did it again? Did I question if you did it again? No, I was there with open arms. So if I can trust your rusty, dusty, dirty, sinning tail, why can't you trust me to be the God of your life? You trust me to save you. You trust me to get you out of a mess, but you don't trust me to send you towards purpose. This doesn't add up. You don't trust me when I tell you to take the job that's $10,000 less, but you trust me when you're in the sick room just because somebody got sick. So do you trust me or are you afraid of the sickness? And we have schizophrenic Christians that the minute we get in the middle of anything, we lose our minds because we forget who he is. Let's go back to the word. We call the devil a liar, but we treat God like one. I know it ain't, I know it's tight, but it's right. God says move left, and we say, are you sure? Am I sure? Did you read Genesis, Joshua? You, you do, you do, you, 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 you do. I think that's how God gets. Like, he starts stuttering because he's looking at the ignorance of Joshua. Like, you, you, how many of y'all got kids? You do it all the time. Your kids say something totally off the wall, and you'd be like, you. Hey, come get your son. He's your son today because I'm about to kill this little boy. Like, I think God does the same thing. You do know who you're talking to. I'm not just your God. I, I, I was the God of the people that came before you, right? And the God before them and the God before them. And I was the God of the amoebas. Yeah, you can believe in evolution. That's cool. But the Big Bang was actually me saying, let there be light. Like, they, they don't got enough instruments to be able to break down, let there be light. So they just called it the Big Bang. But that was me, baby. Like, you don't, tr you, don't tr you don't trust all of this. If I'm telling you to go left, it's because when you take that left, I told somebody else to turn right. So if you miss this left, you're going to miss a Holy Ghost sanctification intersection with the business partner, Joshua, you've been praying for for six months. But go ahead and turn right if you want to. And we miss assignments because we treat God like we treat the devil. Somebody say he's not a liar. God has never been able to work past anyone's trust in him. Let's talk about the difference between trust and belief. I'm trust and faith. Is that all right? Trust is defined as the firm belief in reliability, truth, 
ability, or strength of someone or something. Somebody say faith. Faith is the initial confidence in someone or something to do something. Write this point down. If you believe, faith works. And when faith works, God proves. Okay. God is going to ask you to have faith in him before you trust him. We've been learning about faith all wrong. Faith is not something that is built up by listening to your favorite preacher. Faith isn't something that's built up by listening to your favorite song. Faith isn't something that's built up by, by uh, uh, what else? Prayer and fasting and supplication. The way in which you build your faith is by trusting and believing in God. It's so simple that we think we have to add extra steps. You want to build your faith in God? Believe him. But Joshua, that's countercultural. Like, uh, there have been situations where I didn't know if God was with me. Just because you felt that he wasn't with you doesn't mean that he wasn't there. So we'll waste our times being sanctified and holy, reading our Bible every day, asking God, saying that, hey, we're building our faith. No, you're not. You're building your own confidence. Okay, 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 okay. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to break this all the way down, but I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody, if you need it, somebody say, help me. The way in which you build your faith is by believing in God. If you are going to do this faith walk, it's going to constantly require you to believe in things you've never seen, heard of, experienced, or can't explain. The reason why you can't explain where God wants you to go is because you saw a glimpse of what was God's reality. So when you say, I'm going what, where with what I see, you don't see it. God has given you a revelation of where you are in the future. So that's why it's very, very careful. You have to be very, very careful with who you share the seeds of faith in your life with. Because if it scares you, it'll terrify them. If you have a vision for being married, sis, don't tell your unmarried girlfriends. If you desire to have a bunch of money to fix problems, I know, I know what the world wants to say, but you shouldn't be talking about big boy issues with broke-minded people. Why? Because when God asks you to give $10,000 that you don't have, the person with the smallest amount of faith won't be able to apply to you because their faith won't grow yours. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Is this, is this okay? Is it okay if I take my time? The biggest lie that the church has told you is that your faith wasn't too big or that your faith wasn't big enough. We lie about this all the time. Somebody has a miscarriage. Oh, your faith wasn't there. Whoa, hold on. Time out. Whoa, how, whoa, whoa. How can you judge what God gave me that I didn't ask for? Granny passed away from cancer. Ah, faith wasn't strong enough. Wait, hold on. So you mean to tell me that God is punishing my grandmother because I didn't pray enough? Oh, I'm so sorry you didn't make it into school. Your faith wasn't strong enough. So now you were going to discourage a 19-year-old young man or young woman to stop believing in God because you dropped out of school? Like, listen, the faith that you have was given to you by God for the assignment that he's calling you to. The faith that you have 
was given to you by God for the assignment that he is calling you to. So if you ever look at your faith and you think that your faith is too small, remember that God gave you the right size faith for the assignment that he's sending you to. When you begin to, when you begin to look at somebody else's life, and measure the faith that it takes to live in $10 million, you'll be frustrated with that person because you think your faith is too small. But God didn't give you a $10 million dream. The reason why Elon Musk can be the wealthiest person in the world isn't because God loves him more than you. He gave him richest person in the world type of faith. The biggest thing that you can do and slap God in the face besides not believe him is never know the size of your faith. There are some women that literally have the faith to open up wounds that are barren. Are they less important than Elon Musk? Look at your neighbor and say, their faith is different. When you figure out the specific gift in faith that God has given you, you stop looking at other people and thinking that they have more than you. You begin to look at your faith and start to look for opportunities that fulfill what God gave you. I'm teaching already. You might not be physically responding to it, but I know that I'm teaching to somebody. Once I realize that my faith is this small, I don't start looking at it as small. I look at it as just right. The other person's life isn't bigger than yours. They've tapped into the faith that God has given them. Let me move on. After today, the conversation of you didn't have enough faith or their faith isn't stronger is irrelevant. I want you to write this down. Your faith filters your experience. Your faith filters your experience. The reason why people are living at a high frequency is because what they see isn't filtered by what they see. What they see is filtered by what he said. For this reason, we do not walk by sight, but by faith. So that means that in order for you to get from where you are to where God wants you to go, it's easier when you close your eyes. Because when you open up your eyes in the spirit realm, your physical eyes don't know what they're looking at. But there's a part in your faith when you close your eyes and you allow God to lead you and you trust him to the point where you say, God, wherever you lead me, I'm not even going to follow. I'm just going to move aimlessly. Somebody say your faith filters your experience. Am I okay? Here we go. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. These are called concentric circles. When you throw a rock into a pond... The point where the rock hits the water is zero, zero. Then from zero, zero, y'all might already know where I'm going. Circles verberate. And from that point, the ripples will fill the entire pond. If you throw two rocks in a pond, you have two points of access. And at some point, 
those ripples will hit each other and they'll cancel each other out. Sometimes when you feel like you're by yourself, it's because you have to be by yourself so you don't run into somebody else's anointing. Let me get back to my point. I wish I had a sanctified church this morning. In the middle is your faith. The smallest part of everything that you know is your belief in Christ. Based off of what you believe in, it will change what you expect. Okay? Now, if you, ex I sounded so old right there. Wow. If your faith is not strong, and when I say not strong, I'm not saying that you need more or less or what, no, no, no. When your faith, when you don't believe in what God has put in you, the amount that's there, he gave some five, he gave some two, he gave you one. If you don't believe that your one is enough, then you will expect less from yourself. If you expect less from yourself, that's the type of life that you will live. These are people that vibrate on a low frequency. Every time you talk to them, it's always about what's happening to them. They don't have no ideas. They're not thinking about taking risks. They're always talking about how hurt they are. They know where the scars are, but they're not going to take the time to heal them because they like how it feels when they bleed on you and you give them the energy that they don't want to give to themselves. Like they refuse to go to therapy. They refuse to go to counseling, but they say God is good in order to just have another conversation to complain about what they don't have. Somebody say move on. Faith, what you believe in, shapes what you expect. Once you expect something, it's going to give you the life that you have. Look at your neighbor and tell them this curse letter word. Your life is a product of your expectations. Now that my life is based off of what I expect, God will send resources to maintain the level of life that I expect. So if you say, I'm paycheck to paycheck, you have just told God, this is what I believe. Therefore, this is what I expect. So since I expect that I'm accepting this life, therefore, keep me at my nine to five and don't give me promotion. That's what you're saying. I declare underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will stop telling God lies about yourself that he never told you. You're not stupid. You are the smartest person on earth. You're not fat. You just haven't met the right person to get you on the right macros yet. God stopped saying things about you, Lyle. He's waiting for you to say what you see about you. I don't need another health coach to tell me about myself. I don't need to buy another book. I don't need to buy another ticket to another seminar for somebody that already knows the faith in them to tell. No, I trust the God on the inside of me. I ain't going to pay no man $10,000 a year for him to be able to be a part of the story that God only wanted me to be a part of. Well, I helped Josh get to where he was going. No, it was me, my family, my mama, my daddy, my sister, and my wife, and an amazing church. That's all I need. What you believe shapes your expectation. Based off of what you believe, you'll expect the life that you have. Once you live this life, it will give, God will give you the resources based off of the life that you're asking for. 
and based off of the resources that will shape your experience in life. Remember, we taught this last sermon with Pastor Linnell, which is like, that was like the joy of my life, and I was biting spiritual fingernails like, what is she about to say? Me and Brandon were sitting there quivering. He's like, oh, we can't post that. We can't post that either. Shoot, what do we post? I was like, take the first 10 seconds of this video. For many of us, we start at experience. Well, wouldn't it be nice to live in 7,000 square feet? Man, it's, it'd be, wouldn't it be awesome if I was healed? Wouldn't it be awesome if our marriage was working? And then we think that this thing works backwards, Damon. We think that if we will it to happen and manifest, I said it, therefore it shall be. We think that God resources what we want. Write this down. Your faith was never built to give you what you want. The lowest level of your faith is believing in God to do things in your life. It's the lowest of your faith. The highest level of your faith in the word is believing that he exists. That's the hardest part of your faith is actually believing that something that some people can never feel or see or touch exists. But this is the thing I want you to write down. The God you get is the God you see. I have so many different friends walking away from faith. And what frustrates them the most is that when we get into these debates about God, I don't debate. I, I, I don't, I don't. So you really believe that God walked on water? I'm this petty. Let's just say he didn't. Doesn't change my belief structure. Do you believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary? Man, I don't know about that one. That's kind of hard to believe. Yeah, she might have been getting around. They might have just fudged it. You might not have. But even if it's not true, why would that, why would that change my belief in God? You really trust a book that was written 2,000 years ago by white people? Oh. Oh, wow. You think the Bible was manufactured by Caucasians? Wow. How many, how many arguments would you dead by looking at them like they were the one with the problem? You believe in God? Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't. Oh, okay, well, we can't have this conversation because we, we're vibrating on two different frequencies. But we can have coffee. We won't have much to talk about, but we can, but we can have coffee. <laughs> Do you believe that he walked out on water and called somebody out? Even if it didn't happen, isn't that an amazing story? And now what you're doing is that you're changing what the enemy wants to attack. The first thing that the enemy will always attack is your belief in God. He won't come for your health first. He won't come for your mind first. The enemy's first thought process is I'll touch his health so that he no longer believes in God. The devil doesn't care about your family. doesn't care about your finances he just attacks the easiest thing that he knows if I touch this they won't trust God so much so I can't wait to get to week number four Jesus it's the reason why everything was taken away from Job 
except for his wife. The enemy took everything away from him that he believed in. You'll get it. I'll see you in three weeks. Just sit, just sit, just sit on it. Just sit on it. The reason why some of you, your wife is going through some stuff, some hell and turmoil right now is because that's the only thing that's keeping you close to God. So when something gets taken out, you begin to pray a little bit different. You begin to believe a little bit different. Yeah, your car, the reason why the car keeps breaking down is because it's the only thing that is allowing you to believe in Christ. If, if something is being attacked, it's not that it's that important to the devil. It's that important to you. You're teaching, Joshua. What you believe tells you what to look forward to. What you look forward to, the word of God says that you will draw to your self. If y'all need another person to hate on before Christmas, pick me. Because my faith is at a level where you can't even get to the experience with me because my faith will scare you. Just if what I'm believing for, I haven't seen it yet. If that scares you, you don't get to experience it with me. And many of us are dealing with relationships where you're asking people to love on you and celebrate you, but they never believed with you. They, they, they didn't build their expectation with you. So therefore, they thought their life was better than yours. And since their life was better than yours, they didn't resource your little business. They didn't resource your lawn cut. Like, like this is the reason why I will never leave a real estate agent other than Miss Dana, regardless if they give me more money, regardless if they can give me more square footage. Why? Because she believed in what we saw. I only need one other person to believe. I don't need a whole bunch of people. There's a reason why your faith circle is the smallest one, because everybody can't believe with you. Daniel, if you got a dream, you right now got to make the decision of who you're going to experience that dream with. This is the checklist. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I don't care about your lunch today. You're going to be late. You're going to be late. You're going to be late. When you get to a certain point in your life, when you're experiencing that amazing thing when you're on the beach, God will teach you how to do all of these other five levels in the experience. Whereas you're sitting in France, looking at the Eiffel Tower, your God will drop a seed of faith in you where the trip that you're currently on is not good enough. Let me prove it to you. How many of you have ever purchased a house, furnished the house, painted the house, had dinner at the house, been there for less than three years, walk up, showering, walk through your house naked, and we're like, this house is too small. You're in the middle of a blessing expecting God to do something totally different. And if you got the same stinking Christians around you, they will get frustrated at you for using the faith that God gave you. Somebody shout amen. You can't sit with us. You think this trip is expensive? Whoa. Wow. This trip. Oh. You think this car is nice? Oh, 
Y'all thought that last year, the anniversary gift I gave Vanessa was nice. La- last year? Hmm. You don't want to see what I got it this year. Because at some point in time, everything that you buy, everything that you walk into, is not a reflection of your strength, Mr. Jonathan. It's a reflection of what God showed you. So when you walk into it, you're able to say, oh, I've been here before. Oh, walk into the White House with the president and act like you've been there before. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the bathroom. Where's the restroom? I already know what it is. I'm all in the air dry. I didn't show how like, you know, when you trust God, he'll allow you to experience things that you've never seen before and act like you've been there the whole time. Look at your neighbor. You know what? I think there are 10 people that want to use your faith right now to stand up on your feet and be like, I've been here before. This looks familiar. Like these clothes that I'm wearing, like I don't like how broke feel no more. Like I, I don't like how this feels. I don't like how my marriage feels. Like I want to see myself the way that God sees me. Like shake it off. Like I'm, I'm tired of wearing these clothes. I'm tired of seeing myself this way. I want to see myself the way that God said. You said I could have it. So if I want it, that means I'm not being selfish. I'm just asking for what you said I could have. If you didn't want me to have it, you shouldn't have shown me. That means that the dream that God has shown you means that you can have it. And you are not selfish for wanting what God showed you. Give God a shout of praise for 10 seconds right there. Right there. I am not selfish for wanting what God showed me. Call it a prosperity gospel if you want. He wants me to prosper, stupid. Sorry, disrespect. My daddy gonna call me. <laughs> sit down, sit down, let me get out of here. Your faith filters your experience. If you're going to follow Jesus, it will require you to believe in things you have never seen or experienced. So instead of looking at your experience, look at your faith. There's a reason why your faith is in the middle. Because God doesn't care about what you're in the middle of. He wants to know what you're believing in the middle of. Because if Joshua believes everything that God says, he can put me in any situation. Doesn't matter what he puts me in the middle of, I know what's in the middle of me. My question to you this morning is, do you know what is in the middle of you? Do you know how much God trusts you to make the right decision? Do you know how much God trusts you to make the right decision without any counsel? You know how much it hurts God when you text somebody what they think about what God showed you and you haven't even asked him? You need to turn your phone off, throw it in the trash, go into your prayer closet and ask God, God, remind me of what you saw. What I'm in the middle of right now is really weird. Like, I don't understand what I'm doing, but God, show me what you saw. Because if I open up my eyes, what I see will scare me, but if you show me what you saw, you can do all things. Somebody say, yeah. Somebody say, move on. We are placed inside the middle of unsure situations in order to prove to God that he is good. Point number four is that the enemy of your faith is surety. 
what you are sure of is killing your faith. If you're sure, you don't need God. So when Joshua is sitting in his office on Monday tomorrow, I'm not trying to speak this into existence, and God reminds me of what he showed me about AWC, which is terrifying. The worst thing that could happen with my faith is that God tells me it's going to happen. God does one of two things, Mr. Damon. He either shows you the road to, or he shows you where you are and where you're going. God will never show you both. He will not show you the process and the mountaintop. He will either show you the mountaintop, that's where you're going, woo, we get so excited about it. Or he'll show you the process and we'd be like, man, no. Then we start praying those insurance prayers. God, give me a glimpse of your glory. And really what you're asking God to do is to prove himself. If you're God, the process, like I don't want to, I don't want to go through four years of undergrad. Just show me what I'm supposed to do at the end. And we'll sit and wait and not get the degree and ask why God isn't using us. Forgetting that the degree was the one thing that he wanted you to say yes to so he could say yes to you. And let me just debunk this lie that people think that you can get a degree and not use it. Okay. The reason why you get the degree sometimes is so that the person that hires you doesn't have to teach you how to be a responsible person. There are some of you that are being mixed up in stuff right now because you left every single job where it was hard. You left every single situation where people didn't like you. Your mama took you out of the school, took you out of the camp, took you out of the sport because the coach yelled at you. And now we have weak, reproducing men and women who wherever something comes in front of us, that breath smells a little bit bad, that's yelling at us, that's calling us out of our name, we ask God to take us out. But God says, don't you know that Goliath wasn't all cheese and crackers when David came? He cursed that man out. He looked at him and said, you uncircumcised Philistine. Why would he have had to say that? Because his breath smelled bad. He was bigger than he was. If the people of God stop walking out of situations where God wants to grow you, he'll never grow you. Yeah, if your son right now it has a coach that hates him, keep him there. If he's not abusing him, if the coach isn't touching him in the wrong way, if you trust that this man is giving this little man, not yet, but this little man, not yet, this little man, not yet, what he needs, how dare you take him out of that place? The reason why people are killing it in life rather than you killing it in life is because they've learned how to work through adversity. The people of God are becoming mighty weak. The people of God are becoming mighty weak because we're trying to find ways around things that God said, you got to go through this thing. How else can I prove that I'm God? How else can I prove that I have faith? You're going to let a common cold keep you away from purpose? You're going to let a funky four-year degree keep you from what I'm trying to get to you. I'm not trying to get you a degree, dummy. I'm trying to get you to understand when somebody says no, you still know how to write the paper and not lose faith in yourself. You think I respect a college professor of theology, Joshua? I can teach you more than a seminary could ever. You trust the college more than you trust me. Oh, you trust somebody who didn't write the book to teach you the book. Okay. So put your faith and your confidence in them. I pray right now in the spirit of the Holy Ghost 
that you would stop running away from stuff that God is trying to use to make you stronger, to make you bolder, to give you the endurance that you're going to need. Because on this road, everybody isn't going to like you. They're not all going to believe in you, Jasmine. They're not all going to see what Jesus showed you when you were three years old. They're not all going to be able to celebrate with the man that you see in your head when you get married. They're actually going to spit on you once you get married because they didn't see what God showed you. You didn't see it. So how can I expect you to celebrate what you didn't see? Look at your neighbor and say, stop running. It's hard because it's necessary. You're going to run away from everything that's hard? Huh? Huh? Marriage is hard. How disrespectful would it be to walk away from my wife when it's hard? My experience. I'm not trying to come for anybody in this room. But I made a promise to God in front of Vanessa. I didn't make no promise to Vanessa. I didn't promise Vanessa nothing. I said it before God, I promise you that this covenant that I have with my wife, I will hold it to the day that I die. Is it going to get hard? Yes. Is it going to get harder? Yes. But I have to put my faith in God, not her. Let me get out of here. 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 In verse 3 of Hebrews 11, after the writer talks about faith and where faith comes from, he reminds us about faith. One of the biggest lies that you've been told is that Moses had faith the level that he needed to cross the Red Sea. That Noah had the faith that he needed to build the ark. Let me prove to you why all of our favorite people in the Bible didn't just have a level of faith. They had to grow their level of trust in God. Noah didn't just like build the ark out of faith with God. He had to trust and believe in something he'd never seen before. The word of God says that the minute that he put the last nail and hammer into the boat, then it rained. So that means that God asked Noah to prepare for something the world had never seen before. The last time that we've seen water is in Genesis 1 when God created all of the different streams in, in the Garden of Eden. So there hasn't been any water yet. So now I need you to prepare for rain. You don't think that Noah was like, bet, what is rain? <laughs> and how silly would he have been going to talk to people about what God said and they'd never seen it before either. So God just told me about rain. You know what rain is? You don't? Anybody know what rain is? Does anybody know what rain is? And it doesn't matter out of how many people that you, call, that, that you reach out to, there will be one dumb person that will claim to interpret what God said to you in private, in public. I'm going to move, I'm going to tiptoe through the window on that one. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed in God's command, in the middle of nothing. Verse 4, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did in the middle of not enough. Verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood in the middle of doubt. It was verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as he was, as he was on his way in the middle of pain. Verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old in the middle of barrenness. The blessing wasn't what they did. It was what, it was, it was what God brought them through. Building the boat wasn't Noah's greatest feat. Trusting God before he was told to build the boat was the greatest feat. I'm going to teach a sermon at some point in time called No More Heroes. You don't need no more heroes in your life trying to tell you what to do what God told you. 
even if God tells you the same thing to do as your grandfather and your great-grandfather, you really think that he's going to do the same thing the same way twice. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. Man, I, is, can I finish this sermon? No? Let me go to my next point. No, I don't have time. I can feel daddy right now, right here. Man, part two would be so dope. Hebrews 11, one through two. Now faith brings our hopes into reality. I want you to write this point down. What you have is an evidence of your hope. What you see is shaped by what you can't see. Our confidence is built by our ability to imagine hope and dream. There are many of you in the room, you've stopped dreaming. You've stopped hoping. You, you've stopped looking forward to a brighter day. You, you, you've stopped believing that the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Like, you don't even get out of bed at the right time anymore. Like, you're eating whatever you want anymore. Like, you're self-loathing. Every time you look at yourself, you're telling yourself these lies that physically might be true, but spiritually are still a lie. And, like, and, and, I, and I think that the word of God is saying that the, that the basis of your faith is actually what you hope for. Do you know how powerful hope is? Do you, God, I hope I graduate. Do you know what you tell God when you say that? You're telling him, I know with my own strength this ain't going to happen. But if I believe in you, if I put my hope in you, if it doesn't work out, I'm not responsible. One of the easiest ways to lose your energy to move on is taking responsibility for when it doesn't work out. When stuff doesn't work out in your life, you're not responsible. You failed the test. God didn't, you didn't, you didn't want it. You, I didn't want to get a master's. It was required of me for what I'm doing now. So if I was still failing and still taking the test, you would call me a failure. You would call me a failure. It's taking you 15 years to get your master's. We, we laugh at people that are still having hope in God. 45 years old and not married. Oh, there she goes again. And you know, her hope hasn't changed. But her hope will change if you destroy her hope. Because the enemy doesn't have to influence those that already have his words in their mouth. That's why he didn't have to kill Job's wife. Because she was already doing his work. It is time for some of us to begin hoping again. It's time for you to start dreaming again. It's time for you. What breaks my heart is people in this church who I remember used to talk about the stuff that God showed you so fervently. And just because there's been time in the middle of what God told you and what you've seen, you don't talk about it anymore. You want to be able to weed out the right friends for you? Every time you talk about what God told you and it sounds like a broken record, you get the same response from them. Tell me again, girl. What did God show you? What, what did he show? How can I pray for you? Huh? I know you can't afford it, but let's go look at some houses this weekend. Girl, I ain't got the credit. It don't matter about the credit. Remember what God, like, when you start to guard yourself with people that believe on your behalf, Hey, girl, close your eyes. Close your eyes, sis. Close your eyes. Close, close, them. close them. How does that creme brulee taste in France? Huh? How, how does it taste? 
I've never been there before. Shut up. How does it taste? What's the baby's name? Girl, you know I can't have no kids. Shh, shh, shh. Shh, shh. What's his name? His name is Jacob. Tell me about Jacob. Tell me about him. What are you talking? Just tell me about him. What does he look like? What's his What's his spirit like? Huh? What, what, what are the characteristics? What does his hair look like? Since we've been trying, shut up. Shut up. What does he look like? Huh? What's his favorite color? What are his characteristics? What is his name? Have you ever picked a name yet? What are you doing? You can't ask God for a baby and you, you haven't given him a name? Is he, is he a big brother or is he the little brother? Is there a girl that comes before? Like, and you'll start to guard yourself with people that won't allow you to lose faith. You can get a lot more done with a Christian friend than a life coach. Because one thing that life coach don't know how to do is you can't do that. I don't pay you for that. I don't pay my therapist to speak in tongues. But the word of God says where two or three are gathered in the same place. I got to finish this another day. I got to finish this another day. What's his name? What does your husband look like? There she go, dreaming again. Yeah. 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 I feel the presence of God. Lift your hands. If there's any person in this room, you're believing for something and you lost faith in it. You don't see it anymore. You used to talk about it all the time. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would send a shock to your faith right now in Jesus' name. That you don't need anybody to lay their hands on you. You should lay hands on, your, you should lay hands on yourself right now. You don't need me. You don't need no pastor. You don't need no minister. Because guess what? I don't see what God showed you. I don't feel what God showed you. Lay your hands on yourself and tell yourself you're going to see it. To talk, you know what it is. Talk to it. You're going gonna to see it. You're going to hold this thing. You're going to walk into this thing. You're going to taste this thing. You're going to wear this thing. Because if God showed you, Joshua, he wouldn't have shown you something he didn't want you, he didn't want you to have. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit to believe in you again. This sermon series isn't about building the faith of the church. It's about building your faith in the God that is on the inside of you. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, let me close. 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 Hebrews 12 and 2. Is this good? Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down, please. The middle is your responsibility. God starts your faith, Daniel, and he finishes your faith. But building your faith is your responsibility. Okay? Let me tell you a story. Callie, can you come and get this, please? Tell you a story. Can you come and get this? 1994, Martin and Linnell 
made the decision to start a church here in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, this same year, they were supposed to file for bankruptcy. Actually, let, let, let me get this right. At the same time, they were filing for bankruptcy. Does that make sense? God says, start a church, and your finances say, huh? You're personally. I don't know. Anybody ever try to get a loan? The easiest way to not get a loan is have no collateral. Because the loan will give you $10,000 if you got $50,000 to get rid of. The interest rate is you telling the bank how much more you're going to pay them on the loan that you asked for. Okay. They cut the ribbon in 1994. They bought this building at 24, uh, uh, 24th and St. Mary's downtown. Anybody remember Harvest Tabernacle? Yeah, so cool. Any OG Harvest Tabernaclings in the room? Yeah, let's go. I saw somebody, I don't even know you, bro. He's like, I was there. No, you weren't. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, dog, I'm kidding. They bought a building in the middle of downtown in the 90s when cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine had really just made it to Omaha. It had come from, um, from Western Omaha because that's how it came, you know, like it was like dropped in the state. Like it came here, right, and it moved East, how do you think that cocaine got to the hood? You think the projects they got Apache helicopters and they're going? You, so okay, let's just like use our brains. Okay, a lot of people are addicted on stuff that was dropped on them. They didn't go look for it. It was just there. Twenty fourth St. Mary's. These two chocolatey people made the decision to trust God to build a church in the middle of turmoil while in the middle of bankruptcy, trying to help you see something. From there, don't y'all say nothing. I'm sexy now, don't do that. <laughs> in the middle of a church downtown that if you guys remember, would smell like urine, feces. There were people that would be sleeping on the, the porches. There used to be witches that would like take Cassette tapes, for those of you that don't know what a cassette tape is, they would break it and they would, they would dip it in blood or in their own fecal matter and they would wrap it around the church to curse the people of God. People would show up early at our church to clean that up so the people of God didn't have to see it. And we worry about showing up to serve 15 minutes early. It was different. And our parents taught me and my sister to trust God while we had no money. the middle of bankruptcy, the middle of where a church should not grow, Martin Linnell decided to plant a family in the middle of nowhere with no family around. You do understand that we have no family here. You do understand that for the Williams, you are our family. Like you do, you do understand that we spend more Christmases by ourselves than we do with people. Like you do understand how important it is that if you have family, that it's important that you reconcile with them because what's a five-minute drive for you is a $500 ticket for us. Can we talk about the inconvenience of that? Is that all right? We got to pay bread to go see family members that we don't like sometimes. You don't like all your family all the time. But you pass their house to go to the grocery store. Okay. From there, Pastor Martin had this idea 
that he wanted to not just do church, but he wanted to build a space where he would teach people how to become leaders. This is where people, and I'm not going to bust you out, there are people in this room who were selling the same drugs on the corner of 24th and St. Mary's that are helping you park your car right now. Mm -hmm. That were whole alcoholics in 1993 were addicted to methamphetamine in 1992, were same-sex attracted in 1998, but because a man and a woman made a decision to trust God in the middle of bankruptcy and build a church in the middle of what shouldn't have worked out and planned to do their family in front of people that were broken, and then they ended up building an epicenter that taught people how to not have to look at a system in the world to build them, You're sitting in a purple seat that I really don't think you understand how old this vision actually is. You take for granted because this is Jericho. But we came from Egypt. And I I don't care how much you don't want to hear about Egypt. You will never fully appreciate Jericho until you know about Egypt. I know I'm running over my hour and 30 minutes. I'm sorry, but I need to get this to you. From there, they began building a church that looked like the city. That's Mr. Wonderful. Okay. That's Miss Denise. And I'm sorry. I know I'm probably going to get hit for this. Miss Denise... Mr. Kevin, you knew what you were doing. Come on, man. They started to build a church. You didn't know I had this about you, did you, Dan? (laughs) The Mitchell's been deep since 94. Okay. This is proof that those babies that you said walked away from God didn't. Because these two, the ones that are in their arms, Kyla and Deja are teaching your kids in K-5 right now. I'm trying to get something to you. I'm trying to get something to you. They started to build a church where we had to sing in worship, and Kylan can can vouch for this in multiple languages. English, French, German. We even had to learn Swahili. You know how many are in Swahili? It's like, what are we doing? But we wanted to make sure that every person that walked into our church heard themselves, saw themselves, and experience their culture. Can I go deeper? Next. Pastor met a man by the name of Dr. Monroe. He heard a conversation. This is the first time Dr. Monroe was in our building, downtown. He went to the Bahamas and he said, uh, there were all these people that were buying books and there was this long line. Is this okay? Do y'all like this story? Okay. This is our faith story. This is the reason why we have a church. Pastor Martin saw this long line of people. He cut the line of people, went to the table, and bought the whole table. Bought the whole table, dropped the check, because they used to write checks. He bought a check. Dr. Monroe was signing books. Passed, uh, Dr. Martin, I mean, doc, uh, Dad looked at Dr. Miles. Dr. Miles said, what are you doing? He said, I just wanted to buy everything you had because 
I'm, I'm in bankruptcy, but I'm spending the last that I have to get these books for some people that I gave my life to in Omaha who I want to be free. He told Dr. Monroe, I've been teaching the wrong thing for 15 years, 10 years, excuse me. He's like, I've been teaching religion. And over this weekend in the Bahamas, I realized that the cross isn't as important as their personal freedom. So the books that we talk about, purpose, the reason why we talk about purpose all the time is because Pastor Martin put his faith in somebody who was consistent. I wish my parents were here. God, I wish you were here. I wish you were here. Thank you so much for not losing faith. From there in 1999, Dr. Miles Monroe came to Harvest Tabernacle for the first STN. Remember, Miss Trish, before it was Harvest 99, uh, I think John Bevere was there. Um, Jesse Duplantis was there. The lights went out. <laughs> there was like a fire or something like that. And Dr. Monroe taught this message and filled the room. Hey, Damon, can I show you something? That's Miles. And that's Jashan. Those are your babies. And I believe at one point in time, they're coming back to the house of God. Okay. Okay. All right. Woo. Woo. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. I got to finish this. I got to finish this. I got to finish this. From there. Good morning, AW. Uh, from there. Dad decided to give his entire life to the kingdom. He came home, took the entire bookstore, and set it on fire. He, he came back to the church. He bought his copy of his books and sermons from people so that he could help them destroy the knowledge and the ignorance that he was trying to get to them. Your pastors made a decision that regardless of what the word says, we're going to treat the truth. And people left. Whenever there's a good transition, people are going to leave. But Pastor Martin wants to tell you a little bit about the story. Are we ready? Watch this. Good morning, AWC Nation. Um, you know, we've been traveling to Atlanta. Now we're in Valdosta. Great ministry going on here but you're starting a new series today in the middle. You know, that, um, that title really resonates with me. I, I can remember just how our church started years ago. Do you know, do some of you know, we moved eight times in three years from different locations around the city. We felt like we were in the middle of something all of the time. Then we bought the Walmart, the former Walmart, where you're sitting right now. And some of you from around the world where you're viewing this service. It really seems like to me, we have spent 27 years in the middle, in the middle of building something, in the middle of something great, not absolutely knowing what was going to happen next, but having to use our faith. We had to believe. And I will tell you this, the great thing about it was I didn't do it alone. Yes, me, my wife, my family, but there were hundreds of other people who were in the middle with us building, working through processes, sometimes yield signs, stop signs. Absolutely, you're not going to be able to get this done, but we used our faith. 
But it really wasn't about being in the middle and being stretched and not knowing what was going to happen. Our faith was really being used to build ourselves. Here's the point. It's not really about what you're in the middle of. It's about what the middle, the thing you're in the middle of, what it's going to create out of you. It's about you becoming a bigger person, a faith-filled person, a person that God can trust with amazing things. That's what's really happening. So enjoy this series. I can't wait to teach in the series also, but enjoy PJ this morning. We love y'all so much. Can I continue the story? Okay. Immediately when Pastor Martin and Linnell came back from the Bahamas, God gave Pastor Martin a vision of a new place for us. Because after a transition happens, attendance and giving drops. Naturally. When everything, anything changes, attendance and giving drops. And they say if it's a good transition, if you set up ministerial foundations and you create leaders and you keep, you know, teaching it, people will see it, right? And it's supposed to come up. Two years later, doctors Martin and Linnell had a very uh, distinguished conversation with a couple of people, one by the name of Mr. Uh, Chris Butler. The next was Kevin Thomas. And there's another one who is literally like an amazing faith theologian that you may not even know. And his name is Mr. Winston Lee. Pastor Martin brought an idea to them, and he said, you know what? we got to change this name. Harvest Tabernacle was our name because Pastor Martin had saw a vision of uh, gathering wheat, and people were like stalks of wheat. But this is what Pastor Martin said. He says, I don't, I don't want to cut people anymore. Like, I don't want to have to cut people down to harvest them. He says, I'd rather send them to where they would go. So he changed the name to Ambassador's Worship Center. Uh, that was back when we were still doing Wednesday night church. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And this is what they saw. This is where you're sitting right now. Pastors Martin and Linnell and a small group, somebody say a small group of people, bought a $25 million piece of property with $300,000. And that $300,000 came after Martin and Linnell crawled out of bankruptcy. And it was all that our family had. So dad said, hey, bro, we're going to start a church. We ain't got no money. When we get some money, we're going to buy a house. We're going to do that. And we stood in the middle of a house that we had been looking at for six years. And daddy asked us, do you trust me? And as kids, we had to say we trust our dad with people that aren't, y'all aren't always the best. You're not really easy to follow. Martin and Linnell came home defeated many times. And he still looked in the face of people that didn't understand him. And he gave our inheritance to what God told him. From there, a really small group of about, come on, don't do me. Can you go to the next one, please? Really small group of people. There's Miss Denise Gaines. There's Leslie. Hey, do you guys remember Shivana? Hey, Adam, there's your mom. See your mom? Who else is in here? Enoch Pugh, Maria Garza, 
uh, Rudy, Pastor Martin, yeah, boy, all right, who else? And you know what I know some, something funny? There are a bunch of people in these pictures that you don't know, and it's easy for us to throw people away that left, but you got to honor what they did while they were here. I'm not going to get a lot of claps on that one because it's easy to throw away people because now they're being rude, but they used to believe. Okay. There are a bunch of people in this picture, and we bought some really cheap, musty T-shirts. There's Damon when he had good knees. You see him right there? There's Rebecca back there. Who else? Kylan's in there somewhere. Um, and we set out. And we walked 12.5 miles from downtown to where we are, to a building that had none of the stuff that you see. There was no sound system. There was no carpet. There was no paint. When I tell you there were no walls, this is not, that's not, like, there's another wall behind that wall. You could stand over there and say, yo, 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 yo. And people all, all the way over there be like, we on the way, we on the way, we on the way. <laughs> Mother Woods, I don't know if you remember, Mother Woods walked this. Mother Woods wasn't always. You weren't always in a cart. You came to AWC in a cart, and you walked 12.5 miles. When you try to tell me what's impossible, you're wasting your breath. I believe that the dinosaurs can come back. I, why? Because it's God. Stupid. I had to. Sorry. And we, we started walking. There's my guy, Caleb. There's my mama at the front. Now, I ain't, I ain't going to cap, though. We started in the front. <laughs> Around 72nd, your boy was like, yeah. And there was no Uber. From there, Pastor Martin reached back to 1999, and he told Dr. Monroe, he said, hey, I want you to come and see. I, I finished what I said I was going to finish. This photo I took standing right here. I don't think you guys understand, like, the, like, like younger people, I wish you could understand, like, when your parents take you back to where they came from, and when they say, Olive, I really hope that your mom and dad, I don't know if Levi's sitting with you, like, that they share with you. Like, my daddy taught me this is the first place I got beat up. If you're mature enough when you're standing there, you get to get everything right, right there. Pastors Martin and Linnell in this picture are standing right here. Dr. Monroe is standing right here. At this point in time, Drs. Martin and Linnell, am I wasting your time? Okay, just want to know. Drs. Martin and Linnell, Pastor Martin made the decision here that he wanted to be done with ministry at 60. So the conversation that you've been hearing in the past two years, that you're like, how can he just leave ministry? Oh, oh no, boo-boo. Yeah. But he'd been doing this for a minute. Yeah. He made the decision. You know what? By 60, we're done. In the back of Martin's mind, he saw a young man that was holding a camera here that didn't want anything to do with ministry, but was willing to serve. I'm going to brag on me just for a second. There used to be a time in church where you had multiple serves. I was on the photography team. I sang worship. 
I co-led um, with our ministry team for our, our high school student. Kyle and Rebecca were leading it. I was a part of their leadership team. We used to come here every Saturday, every Saturday, every Saturday to clean the church when it was necessary. Like the church didn't have to ask for people to serve because now serving has become this tag word for get what you want. Okay. As long as we give you a donut and a hot coffee, now we'll serve. We didn't, we didn't have it because we, we, we were bankrupt. So we bought this building. Dr. Monroe prayed for Pastors Martin and Linnell. And what you feel in this atmosphere is from this picture. So Joshua taking this photo is making a decision. I'm going to serve as long as I can. As long as you say, God, I don't have to be a pastor. Cut two. Don't clap yet, because it's not a me vision. It's a we vision. In the same spot where Pastor Martin was able to tell his father, did I do a good job? I got to look at my daddy and say, are you proud of me? While standing in the middle of bankruptcy, in a church downtown, like, you don't leave the middle of your situations ever. You are concurrently standing in the middle of everything God has ever brought you out of. The problem with us is that we leave what God brought us out of. If God delivered you in 1997, you need to tell that story until your grandkids can finish it for you. That way, they don't ever forget that you didn't know Jesus your whole life. I, don't, I want my kids to know that Joshua was a manipulator before he met his wife. Yeah. My baby's got to know your, 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 yeah. your father can lie very easily and make you believe it. Because if your children think that you're holier than thou, they'll walk away from you later on. Yeah. So good. Who were you talking to me? You I'm sorry, maybe I'm getting in your business. I'm getting in my own. So Pastor Martin, standing here on this stage, is standing in bankruptcy. Because that's what God brought him out of. He, he's standing in the Jim Crow South where just for being black, he watched people be hung. Your pastor ran past people with skin like him swinging from trees. Your pastor. But he's only 60. Your pastor. Just so that you know where you're coming from. From here... Last year was our word manifest. And on a sheet of paper that I keep in my pocket, I wrote down what I believe in God for while in the middle of a transition where I didn't think it was going to work out. People left the church. They say very nasty things. You think that ministry is like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But people's words, you know, that, that's a lie from the pits. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, they hate. Like, you might as well have shot me with what you said. Especially knowing what we believed with you. Like, now you want to spit in our... Okay. All right. So I stood and um, I made the decision that I wanted to be... In the transition, I didn't want to be the pastor. But towards the end of it, I was just like, all right, God, I prayed this prayer. It'd be your will. And, and, I, and I started writing stuff down. In AWC... I want to let you know 
that we're in the middle of one of the biggest opportunities I think Omaha has ever seen. And since I have your ear, I want to make a proclamation. And it's scary, but I'm tired of being scared. I'm tired of crying tears. And I'm tired of waiting for people to come and join into a vision when if only y'all join in, we'll be all right. These are the four things that God gave me. And you guys can take over from here. AWC will be a multicultural, multi-ethnic, and multi-generational church. But Pastor Joshua, your church right now is 75% black people. But when I close my eyes, I see everyone. I see it. Do you see it? I only need like two people. The words God says are two or three. Do, do you see it? Do you see the white business executive? Do you, do you see the person from South O and North Omaha? Do you, do, do you see Fortune 500s in North Omaha that are coming here? Like people that like they vote differently, but like they're in the same church at the same time. Like, do you see it? I see it. Okay. The next thing that God showed me was that AWC will be the home to all people. The broken, the lost, those that left, and those who are looking. I believe that our church will be the home again for the people in those photos that you saw that are not here. I truly earnestly believe in my soul that they're coming back home. I do. I don't think that there's any better church than AWC. And when I'm saying that, it's not a joke. Like, I'm... there. Nobody, nobody's messing with us. I don't care who you invite. This is the best church that this state has ever seen. Amen. And we're not going to have to blow up and have every button, every seat for you to make me believe it. Why? Because I'm in the middle of it in my soul. Amen. Now, next thing that, I, that God showed me was that AWC will be the church of the city. You will not be able to fly through Omaha without thinking about AWC. I believe that people are going to fly from around the world just to come and see how we run our children's ministry. I believe that there will be people, their small group will be so large that we'll have to ordain them as a minister so that they can be a pastor at a satellite location in Arizona. That's, that's what I believe in my soul. But, oh, I don't need you to believe it. I just need you to believe with me. Somebody say, I agree. I agree. This is the last thing. That the health of our church will be based on the health and the prosperity of the people. This is the most important one. AWC, I believe that we are going to grow, not in numbers based off of people that come to our church, but when you begin to believe in your family again. I believe that we're about to walk into a season where y'all gonna start saying some crazy stuff again. Some stuff that's not even believable. Some stuff that scares you. Some stuff that makes you wake up in the morning and be like, all right, God, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but remember, I told these kids we're going to Disney World and we ain't got a dime. Do y'all see it? This is what I'd like for you to do. During this sermon series, there's not gonna be any altar calls. You're gonna lay hands on yourself. The God that's on the inside of you is stronger than the God that I can give you because he's yours. This is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to stand to your feet if you're ready to start believing again. Stand to your feet.
if you're ready to start dreaming again. Stand to your feet. If you're in the middle of some stuff that's scary, but you know that greater is he that is on the inside of you than he that's in the world. And I want you to lift your hands and give God a shout of praise if you're willing to help AWC turn into what God sees. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Was, was, that a, was that a okay part one? Yeah. Okay. Praise God. We will be the city's church. And this is what I think. I think Omaha deserves it. Like, I think your family deserves to be able to choose where they want to go based off of where they want to go and not based off of where they can go. I think your business deserves to flourish. I think you deserve to not have to have an online store, but choose if you want a brick and mortar. I think you deserve to walk in your healing on earth and not have to feel that you have to die in order to be restored. I feel that, because here in this culture, we've seen stage four cancer eradicated. So like, we can, we've seen HIV and AIDS done for. So like, there's nothing that God can't do. Why can't he just do it again? We're about to walk into a season, AWC, where what God is about to do with us, wait until Christmas. Wait until next year. You're going to blink, and I swear, I'm going to look at y'all and be like, told you. Look what God has done. You're going to look at me and look at your family, and some of y'all are going to have babies. It's going to be your first one. You're going to be like, told you. You're going to be in the house, and you're going to look at your family like, told you. And it's not going to be because you're good. He's good. Lift your hands. Get out of here. Father God, we thank you so much. Lay your hands on your head. Let's talk to you. God, we thank you. I thank you for the faith that's inside of Joshua. God, I thank you that my faith isn't small. It's not too big. It's just right because you've given me an anointing for what you've called me to. God, I pray that you would undergird your people, that regardless of what they feel they are in the middle of, God, that they will remember what's in the middle of them which is belief in you. God, I pray that during not just the sermon series, but even today, somebody will be encouraged to walk a little bit different, to speak a little different. Somebody's going to start dreaming again and seeing you correctly again. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.